0: It's a privilege this morning to be able to, to address you, and what uh, I want to do this morning is more in form of a Bible study as opposed to a, a sermon, per se. And um, I think that, that we're going to look at the prophet Elijah. Now, a heads up. This summer, in the men's class, we took a look at the prophet Elijah, and we spent several months on it. So, um, thank goodness the Packers aren't playing today. Uh, (laughs) But uh, your assignment, right off the bat, for next week, is to go to 1 Kings 17. This week and read the whole story of Elijah because we're just going to be able to hit spots here and there. And it is a fantastic story with fantastic characters and great lessons that we can draw from it. And, if you, and you're going to miss out if, if you don't do that. Um, I, when we, One of the things I love about the Bible is it's so straightforward uh, it presents people as they are, as as real people with all their flaws and all their blemishes. It doesn't make them look better than they are. It doesn't make them look worse than they are. All the great people of faith that you see in the Bible were flawed. But we're all flawed because we're human and God uses flawed people. And that's a real lesson to re- remember uh, when we're down. Now, We talk about Elijah the prophet. What were prophets? Prophets were people that God sent to Israel who essentially were preachers. And uh, their whole message always was the same. It revolved around repent, repent, return to God. And that message is consistent throughout uh, Scripture. Now the setting where Elijah pops on the scene... Uh, Israel is in terrible condition, terrible, sinful condition. They're overrun with idol worshipers. Um, they've, they've had civil war. The ten tribes have formed their own uh, different um, country. Uh, with their own, And they've chosen an idolatrous king who is followed by one king after the other after the other. That is, every one of them gets worse up until you get to this guy, Ahab, who's the worst of the lot. And uh, Ahab was this, I like to visualize people, he's a little short guy in my mind. A uh, little short, whiny, self-focused guy who was easily misled. He consistently made bad decisions. You give him a decision to make, he'd make the wrong one. Okay, And uh, probably, probably one, of the, one of his biggest uh, bad decisions was choosing his wife, Jezebel. And, and Jezebel was this woman who was the daughter of, of a foreign king. And, and, and she was a mean, cunning, uh, evil woman. And she was a major worshiper of the prophet Baal. As a matter of fact, when she became queen, she brought along with her 450 prophets of Baal that, that she supported while she was trying to kill all the prophets of Jehovah. Okay, And, uh, and then... We have Elijah, and to talk about Elijah, you have to have a mental image of Elijah, and I'm going to tell you my mental image of Elijah because it's right. Um, it uh, Elijah was this wiry, skinny little guy with you know all muscular, wild hair, wild beard, probably red, you know, beaming eyes. He, uh, he he wears this this robe that's a hairy animal robe with a big leather belt about it and these sandals and he is a hyper guy. I mean this guy he is he is just moving all the time. He's very blunt. He's very outspoken. He's straightforward. There's no nonsense. There's no small talk with Elijah. Okay. Now if you want to cast these people in, in a movie, okay, because you read scripture, I love to see movies. Um, I'd cast uh, Elijah. I would pick a young Jack Nicholson from The Shining, or I would maybe pick John Malkovich at his worst, okay? Now, Ahab, there's only one guy that can play Ahab, and that's Danny DeVito. I mean, you can see it, okay? And, uh, and, and, and of course, Jezebel, tall, skinny, black hair, evil woman. Cher. It had to be a young Cher. So, with this in mind... Elijah just pops on the scene in First Kings seventeen, and uh, and 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 it, and, it says, and he he pops on the scene, and Ahab's going along, and here's this wild crazy guy confronting him right off the bat. And the first things he says is, "As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain the next few years, except at my word." Okay. Now, we need to take a minute. And look at this. How does Elijah present himself? Right off the bat. The first thing he says, he represents God. And it's not just any God. It's the God of Israel. It's Jehovah. It's not one of these idols that's all over the place. Secondly, the God is alive. He's not a stone. He's not a carved idol. This is a living God. And finally, he says, and I am his servant. Okay, now just stop and think a minute. When you think of God, what's your first thought of God? Do you think of him as a live, active God in your life? Secondly, when you think of yourself, if you're going to introduce yourself to someone or or when you just think of your own self-image, do you think of yourself, first off, as a servant of God? And if you do, are you willing to deliver his message particularly in a hostile environment. So Elijah delivers this message to Ahab that no rain till I say there's rain. And Ahab's not a guy that's used to having being told what he doesn't want to hear. And and his response to, to that is kill the messenger. So Elijah has to escape and the Lord directs him out to in the wilderness area, out into a ravine where there's a little creek running through, and he feeds him by sending ravens in the morning and evening, bringing bread and meat, and then he drinks out of the creek. And that goes on for isolated by himself out there for about a year, and then the creek goes dry, and uh, he has to move into town, into a town called Zarephath, where he lives with a widow and and her son for a while. And those are great stories you need to read about there. But finally... Um, after a long time, in the third year of this drought, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the land. And so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now when he goes to do that, you meet an interesting gentleman named Obadiah, who, who is an example of a man of God serving as the, as the main uh, minister for Ahab, an evil king in an evil situation he does his civil service well while at the same time being a man of God. And he is in that same mode that you see of Joseph, Moses Daniel. And that's an example for us that in in a society that's adverse to God we can still be God's servants and also do good work in our society. So we get Elijah shows up, and uh, he he the minute that he um he approaches Ahab, he just pops out. Here's Ahab, and Ahab's surprised and he says, What and how does Ahab respond to him? He says, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I mean, these guys they don't get along. Elijah he doesn't back off, he immediately says. I'm not made trouble in Israel. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. You and your dad and your family have abandoned God's commands. You're falling the Baals. And, 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 and he wasn't going to back off. And, and then he says, look, Ahab, I want you to get all the Israelites together at Mount Carmel. And by the way, when you assemble and bring along the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets that, that worship this god Ashtaroth, and uh, when they got there, Moses, uh, Elijah, <laughs> Moses, Elijah walks out and, and he looks at the Israelite people that are there the, who are worshiping idols like crazy. And, and he confronts them. He says, How long are you going to waver between? Two opinions. He says, The Lord's God following. If Baal's God, follow him. Now, how do the people respond? They said nothing. Okay. Now, you see, the people were never happy to see prophets. They didn't like those guys at all, and they really didn't like Elijah because they held them accountable. They called them to accountability. And at a question like that, we need to once again, as you read Scripture, put yourself in a situation and ask yourself, how do I respond when I'm held accountable? Do you, do you realize I'm in trouble here, I need to change? Do you get angry and fight it? Or worse, are you just indifferent? Um, they were indifferent. So Elijah says, "Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to have a challenge. We're going to we're going to take two bowls. I'm going to give one to the the, the evil prophets. I'm going to take the other. We're going to sacrifice them. We're going to call on. They're going to call on the idols. I'm going to call on God. Whichever brings fire down and, and consumes it, we'll know is the real God." And the people say, that's terrific, man. That's a contest, and we don't have to be involved. And uh, so that happens. And, and the, the, the prophets of Baal, they start off, Elijah lets them go first. And they start off praying and screaming and crying and, and, and dancing and, and, and just going crazy and you know, calling on their prophets, calling on their prophets, calling their pro- on their idols to, to bring fire. And uh, it goes on until about noon, and then Elijah chimes in, and he starts taunting them, "Hey, maybe you, you, you need to be louder, maybe your gods are asleep, or maybe they 've gone on a trip, and you just need to be more frantic, and they just they go crazy, they start cutting themselves uh, with knives and, and all kinds of things trying to trying to get the idols to respond. Finally, by late in the day, Elijah says, "Okay it 's my turn." and Elijah prays to God fire comes down and consumes the, um, the, the you know, his, his offering. And the people say, wow, Jehovah's God, Jehovah's God. You know, they, they're, all, they're all for it now. And Elijah immediately says, okay, grab all the false prophets, take them down, and he kills them all. He slaughters them all. Now, let's stop a minute. Is there a lesson we can learn here? Well, one, God's not telling us to go out and slaughter all the people we disagree with. But, um, <laughs> But what can we learn? There are two, a lot we can learn, but two basic lessons. One, God hates idolatry. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, those doofuses, they were worshiping all these stones and stuff. How stupid can you be? But you have to take a step back. What is an idol? An idol is anything that we let put between us and God. Okay? Suddenly, it's really pertinent. All kinds of idols we can look at today. I, I think maybe one of the biggest ones that we face is self-image and the image we project to others. We make, it's important how I look. It's important the house I have, the car I have, the job I have, my kids. My kids in the right school. All this stuff. The right social media. Those can become idols. God hates idolatry. He wants nothing between us and Him. The second lesson you learn is that God does not look favorably on those who lead others away from him, on false teachers, on anyone that leads anyone into sin. Jesus is really clear on this in Matthew 18.6 when he says, If anyone causes any one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it will be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And Paul he, he, he goes nuts talk, uh, being upset with the Judaizing teachers who are trying to make Christians follow uh, Jewish law and be circumcised, things like that. He finally just loses. It. And he says, you know, I just wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You know, God does not take kindly to leading others into sin. So Elijah, is, uh, he, he's had this great moment. He, he tells Ahab, okay, you go sit down inside the, the mountain, fix yourself some lunch. And he goes up to the top of the mountain, sits down, puts his, leg between his le- head between his legs, and he tells his servant, go out and look at the ocean and tell me what you see. He goes out, comes back, I don't see anything. Seven times he does it. The seventh time he says, I see a little cloud about the size of a fist coming up out of the sea. And uh, Elijah says, Go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And he, meanwhile, the scripture says, The sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, heavy rain started falling, and Ahab took off for Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Huge triumphant scene, one of the great scenes in the Bible. You can just see it. Here's little Ahab in his chariot and his horses flying along. The froth coming out of their mouths, the, you know, their manes blowing in the air, and, and they're just they're just flying along. And, uh, and here's Ahab, and here's Elijah ahead of them, that 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 hairy robe cinched up. Pulled up so you can see those knees flapping in the air, those sandals flying as he's flying along ahead of it, arms flying, the wind blowing, leading the way. Incredible triumph. How much victory. You know, he, the guy has he's done it. He's, he's, he's done, he, man, how does he get better than that? Well, that doesn't last long because um, Ahab goes back and tells Jezebel what happened. She's furious, says, I'm going to kill Elijah. He'll be deader than any prophet of mine. Elijah becomes frightened, as he should be, and he takes off. And he went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he found a broom bush. And he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better off than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, and he fell asleep. Elijah has gone from this incredible high to a miserable low. You're seeing the description of a guy who's t- absolutely depressed. I mean, he has taken off. He just, he's, he's done. I've done it all. I, I can't do any more. So um, the Lord sends an angel who wakes him, gives him some bread, gives him some water. He goes back to sleep, curls back up in his fetal position. Um, the angel wakes him up again, does the same thing and says, look, you've got to eat, you've got to strengthen yourself, you've got a big journey ahead of him. And so he eats, he drinks, and he goes 40 days, 40 nights through the wilderness, gets to Mount Carmel, or Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. He gets there, he goes up, finds a cave, crawls in the back of it, and he goes back to sleep in the fetal position. Okay? Um, he is at the bottom. He's totally depressed. Now... We criticize. He gets criticized because of his reacting like this. And uh, it's really not appropriate. His reaction is totally what you'd expect. He's not crazy. He's human. It's, it's not crazy to have disappointment in life, and it's not crazy to get depressed by the situation. Um, that, those are normal things that happen to us. That's, we, that's why we're human. We're geared that way. Uh, any big event... That takes a lot of energy to get through is going to be followed by a letdown. We deal with it all the time. A, a good example: uh, pregnancy. Um, woman gets pregnant, she's you know, excited about it, but at the same time anxious and worried. You have nine months of building pressure, literally, um, where, where You know, there's anxiety, how am I going to do, am I going to get through this all right, how terrible is it going to be, and and excitement, wow, we're going to have a baby, and this whole mixed emotion thing that takes a ton of energy, and toward that last month, suddenly miserable getting around to the point where those last weeks, is this kid going to get out of here, I think this is awful, you know, to delivery, and they get through it, all the anxiety is going to suddenly do better than you thought you'd do. More strength. Than you ever, more courage than you ever thought you'd have. Delivery goes well, they go home, baby's doing well, mom's doing well. Six weeks later, dad comes home and mom's sitting back crying. What's wrong? I don't know what's wrong, I'm just depressed, okay? Postpartum depression. We, we, we experience that all, all through life with highs and lows, okay? So you're not crazy when that happens, you're human. Now, how did God deal with it? Well, first off, he, 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 he took Elijah, and he fed him, and he gave him rest. Okay? He strengthened him. And then he got him to a safe place. He got him to that cave where he was safe. And uh, once he's in the cave, what does he do? Well, and the word of the Lord came to him. Now, get this. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, whoa. whoa. He says, whoa. He says, well, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. Boy, he is at the bottom. This is the real pity party going on now, okay? And, uh, and, and how does God deal with it? Well, he turns around and says, okay, go out, stand on the mountain, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's going to pass by you. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, and the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled a cloak over his face. He went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. So the question, you know, God had always presented in all this, you know, fire, storm, everything else at Sinai, everything like that. Suddenly, a gentle whisper. And the question that you have to ask yourself, am I waiting for God to pull me out? of my social media, out of the TV, out of the radio, out of all this other stuff going on to speak to me? Or do I give him a chance for me to hear the gentle whisper? Do I put myself in situations where I can commune with the Lord? Do you have a time every day that's that isolated time alone away from all the distractions to meditate, pray, read Scripture so you're ready to hear the whisper? Okay. So what does so Elijah's out there and the Lord passed by and what does he hear? He hears a voice and what does his voice say to him? It says, what are you doing here Elijah? Okay. Elijah he's still wrapped up in this thing. He gives the same answer again. The wrong answer again. Well I'm here because I've been doing all this for the Lord and they're after me they're going to kill me and I'm the only one left. You see that's the wrong answer. And Elijah knew the right answer because he'd given the right answer in the first verse we saw about him. The right answer is, you know, to what am I doing here? Is I'm here to serve the living God. That's the answer that God wanted. And God asks us that same question every day. What are you doing here? And the answer has always been the same that he wants. I'm here to serve the living God. And um, that's, that's the question that we have to answer. Now, Elijah's fried. He doesn't know what to do. And the Lord, he takes care of things. He doesn't see the big picture at all. He's just wrapped up in what he's been through. So what does God do? God puts him back to work. You're here to serve. He says, Elijah, get up. Go back the way you went. Appoint a couple of kings. They're going to take care of all the bad guys. You're going to anoint Elisha, who's going to follow you as a prophet to follow you. And, uh, and, and you're going to get to work. Oh, by the way, there are 7,000 people in Israel who haven't bowed to Baal or kissed him. You're not alone. Okay? Now, the lesson for us when we're down and we start to get self-focused, and I'm alone, I'm the only one in this bad deal, you're not alone. There are other Christians out there sitting around you right now, and they're, they're out there everywhere. Furthermore, you're not alone because God's there with you. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of things happen after this. He goes, he calls Elisha, Elisha follows him. And then a lot of things happen in other chapters you got to read, including Naboth's vineyard where you see Ahab at his worst and Jezebel at her very worst. Ahab gets killed. His son is just like him and winds up the same way. And um, and, and finally, we get to the point that, that Elijah is walking along with Elisha. And as they're walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots, the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And as he ascended, Elijah's mantle, or his cloak, fell to the ground, and Elisha took it, and he went and he parted the waters with it and went on his mission. Now, there's a lot of detail we skipped that you need to read. But what lesson can we learn from this? First of all, Elijah mentored Elisha. What's our role in the church? As we come along, our role is to mentor, to mentor, to mentor. And when the time comes, it's time to pass the mantle. And you need people prepared for that. And, and, and that's the role of the church. That's the way it's always continued and that's the way it will continue. Real lesson. So, who is a lesson of Elijah worthwhile to? Anybody that thinks their service is hard in this environment. Anyone that thinks they're a lone worker. Anybody that thinks they're tired and they're not seeing the results they want to see. And uh, anyone who feels that there's very little they can do to influence this age. Okay? Now, James addressed that. When he gives the scripture that Elijah, being a human, even as we were, prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. He shows that Elijah is that example of faith and prayer. Elijah's story doesn't end here, though. In Isaiah 40, there's a prophecy about a voice of someone coming to prepare the way for the Messiah. Okay? Then Malachi, who was the last prophet... Wrote the last book of the Old Testament, and the last verse of the last chapter of the last book, the last messages that Israel's is getting from God. He says, See, I'll send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents. The Jewish people were students. Following Malachi, they went for centuries waiting for the Messiah. And what were they looking for? They were looking for Elijah. That was the last thing they were told in every generation. You're looking for Elijah. You've got to see Elijah. When Elijah comes, then we're going to, the Messiah's going to come. Look for Elijah. Look for Elijah. And they knew what the guy looked like better than us. They knew the story. Okay. Well, what happens? Mark tells us, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John wore, wow, get this, clothing made up of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Why did all the people flock out to the wilderness to see John the Baptist? Because they were looking for Elijah. And here was Elijah. For all the world, this is Elijah back. This is the moment. And they went crowding out there like crazy to see John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? John the Baptist preached to him. And he came across just like Elijah. He nailed the leaders in the the sin. and He he was a straight-on guy. And also... When Jesus came to him to be baptized, he said, This is the guy. This is the one I'm preparing. This is the guy. And the people saw that. Okay. Now, what happens after that? Well, we see that that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. (laughs) And Jesus said, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God comes near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' message, John the Baptist's methods, Elijah's message, all the prophets' messages, repent. Jesus is saying, the kingdom's coming, you're not ready for it. You have to repent to be ready for the kingdom to come. He told them that. We have to repent to be ready to enter the kingdom. Jesus says believe and repent. It's very easy to run around and preach a gospel, just believe, just believe, just believe. There's also repentance. There has to be repentance involved with it. What is repentance? So it's not just feeling bad because you get caught. It's feeling really bad, truly sorry for the sins you've committed and wanting to change your way, okay? So we... we The next scene we see is Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he looks over and he sees his fishermen. And he calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And these guys, in a lucrative fishing business, drop their nets and follow Jesus. Why did they do that? We think, wow, that must have been miraculous, him doing that. No. No. They knew who Jesus was. How did they know? Because they'd been good Jewish students. They'd been looking for Elijah, looking for Elijah. John the Baptist shows up. They went out and heard John the Baptist. They were students of John the Baptist. Everybody around there knew about him. The Sea of Galilee is only 13 miles long, seven miles wide. It's, it's not as big an area as we have getting here to West Salem, okay? Everybody knows about it, And they know about John the Baptist. And they're there, and John the Baptist says, Jesus, this is the guy, this is the Messiah. When Jesus called them, the way had been prepared. They knew He was the Messiah. And when He said, I want you to come work for me, they were ready to go. Okay? That preparing the way. Finally, one more time we see Elijah. Jesus is getting ready to go face His death. And He goes up on the mountain and He's transfigured. Who shows up with Him? Moses, Elijah. Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, okay? And Luke tells us what they talk about. They talked about Jesus' impending death, okay? Moses and Elijah both had had to deal with this whole group of people who absolutely ignored him, who, 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 who he, they preached to, they gave everything they could, and the people ignored him. Jesus dealt with the same thing. That must have been some conversation. I think they had a lot to talk about. Um, you know Moses had gone up on the mountain wasn't seen again Elijah ascended into heaven. so what is the message of Elijah? The message of Elijah is a message of hope that to anyone who stands to serve the living God and whose hope is in the Lord you know it tells us that you'll you'll Renew your strength. You'll soar like wings on eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. It's a message it's encouragement when you look at him. Now, the question is still the same, however. And God asks us every day, what are you doing here? And the right answers still the same. It needs to be serving the living God.